1: Hello and welcome to the Game Day
3: podcast from Talksport with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, and Talksport's Alex Crook, as the first trophy of the season gets decided.
4: It's on, it's 2-0, and it is surely Tottenham making the trip to Wembley. But Andinia with a
3: volley into the net, and that goal will seal Manchester City's place in the Carabao Cup final.
2: I'm pretty sure the players will be ready, like they have been. In this
3: business that we have, the most honest and the best is the play. A full preview of that game and all the other matches this weekend. Talk Sports' Alex Crook says he knows why Jose Mourinho got sacked at Spurs. The
4: last straw in the breakdown of the relationship. Between Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho was that Jose Mourinho planned to field a weakened Tottenham team against Southampton in the league in midweek to focus fully on the League Cup final.
3: Also, Darren Lewis says the ESL protests will affect the outcome of some matches between now and the end of the season. Plus, fabulous Foden, silly Stones, and why well relegation isn't entirely sorted. All on the ultimate preview of all the weekend's footballing action from Talksport. It's the Game Day Podcast. And a big hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Well, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Um, We are here to preview the action ahead of what is going to be a massive weekend. But I don't think we can ignore the seismic events of the last uh, four days. I've got to admit, Crook, you have been absolutely all over this. Let's have a listen to what it sounded like on TalkSport. TalkSport.
2: It's absolutely massive news here on Talksport. We understand all of the clubs are meeting right now with a view to disbanding the European Super League. I just want to focus on this afternoon's trip up to Stamford Bridge. It has been absolutely amazing to see the Chelsea fans so happy after this news was announced today. A little bit
5: further down Fulham Road as everybody kind of got moved on a little bit word started to spread through the crowd that Chelsea have pulled out.
4: Liverpool Football Club can confirm that our involvement in proposed plans to form a European Super League has been discontinued.
0: I want to apologise to all the fan supporters of Liverpool Football Club for the disruption I caused over the past 48 hours.
4: The biggest punishment to
2: them
3: owners is the stick they're taking at this moment from fans worldwide, never mind in this country. All of those Chelsea fans outside the ground, how many of them do you think can get tickets for the game? How many can afford the £150 shirts? How many can afford the Sky subscriptions? So it's about still exploitation of the fans. This is what this is. It's laughable that they fall over. Someone farted at them and they fell over. You're going to start a fight. At least have the fight. Are you big boys or not? I'm delighted and I think this is a victory for fans and fans should savour it.
4: Yeah, the PFA uh, this time have released a statement uh, welcoming the news that the six English clubs have abandoned the European Super League. And they just didn't get the groundswell of opinion from, as I say, the, the foot
1: soldiers or the men in the streets. We're going to run.
3: Uh, The Super League is dead, but what happens next? The mobilisation of these big six clubs is not going to end here. They want to suck more money out of football. A British Super League, a regurgitation of Project Big Picture. Uh, What is going to happen next? Crook, you've been covering this right from the very beginning. You were the first. Uh, ever Super League correspondent. Your job lasted about 36 hours. <laughs> I know that you've been working all hours, God sends, during those 36. But what does happen next? Because you know, we have to move it on and look ahead to what could happen in the future.
4: Well, first and foremost, I'd like to welcome our legacy fans and also any new listeners to the pod. We are all inclusive here. We, we, we don't... Uh, and for anybody
3: have... under the age of 24?
4: <laughs> yeah, and, and have they got the attention span to listen to the whole pod? That, that's the big Ooh. question. Um, it, it was an incredible week. Um, from when I got the call from Talksport Sport on, on Monday morning saying, can you get yourself down to London, <laughs> cover this Super League story? It, it's been non-stop. It, it's a week that I'll probably never experience again. Certainly have never experienced before in my journalism career. But I think although the Super League is dead, I think, as you say, there are still so many questions to be answered. We're still waiting to see uh, what repercussions there will be for those six clubs from their own football authorities, from the Premier League. Uh, my understanding is that there are still a lot of very angry people amongst those 14 clubs who weren't part of the discussions, who do want some kind of sanctions. Whether that is feasible, whether they've actually broken any rules, I think is still open to debate. But what I do know is that I think it's galvanised those 14 clubs now and they are determined to wrestle back some power from the big six and and, and stop them getting their own way as I think they have done uh, for the past few years. And then from UEFA themselves, I think the threat of uh, of kicking the, the, the Super League sides out of their European competitions was very real. I'm now hearing this morning that actually they're going after individuals. Ed Woodward in particular could well face UEFA sanctions because they see him uh, despite uh, what is being said elsewhere as a real driving force behind this and of course he was a, a senior member of UEFA's own committee and therefore plotting against them uh, behind their back and actually having conversations uh, with the UEFA president as recently as a week before the announcement saying, oh, you've got nothing to worry about. So I think they feel really sore there. And then you've got the issue, as you said, at talk of a British Super League. And what's I think has almost gone under the radar is that on Monday, UEFA formally ratified their own plans for the rejig of the Champions League. And, and there's certain aspects of that that don't necessarily fall into line in in, in terms of fairness and and competitiveness but they've they've almost gone unnoticed because all the focus has been on this Super League so again I think some clubs now, some UEFA members, might try and get those plans thrown out. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it develops. And as we're speaking here, I've just had to cut away uh, to do a piece into Jim White's show on Talk Sport because Manchester United fans have actually gained entrance to their training ground at Carrington. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, Michael Carrick and Emmanuel Matic, among those senior members of staff at Manchester United, that had to persuade them to leave. There's protests planned uh, for outside the Emirates on Friday, there'd be more protests at the Etihad and Old Trafford on Saturday. So if these owners uh, think the heat is off them and he's going to be off them anytime soon, I think they're sorely
3: mistaken. Uh, Do you need to lie down? (laughs)
4: quite possibly did did that did that cover everything probably not
3: (laughs) i think you got most of it out i hope it clips the big six's wings really to be honest with you and they start to spread the power a little bit more equitably across the rest of the league Uh, because one of the great strengths of the premier league is the fact that there's so much equal distribution of prize money that changed a couple of years ago in terms of the international rights i hope this sort of underscores the fact that the egalitarian sort of model, and it is, look, I know that it's not the most perfect model in the entire uh, world, but it's the most fair distribution of prize money in world football, I mean, it is, it, 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 the thing about the Premier League is is that they keep all of, most of the money in-house and it goes between all 20 teams rather than just the big two, the big four, the big six, as it does do in other leagues. And I think that sort of fairness will certainly hold it in good stead going forward. It's why Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid want a piece of the pie. You yeah. know, as Agnelli said, the reason they're doing this is because the richest game in the world is not the Champions League final, It's the championship playoff to get into the Premier League. They just want a bit of the Premier League and they ain't having it. It's 2-0 and it is surely Tottenham making a trip to Wembley. Wow. Super Sun sinks the Saints again and surely that will give Tottenham Hotspur all three points.
2: We'll see how the season's ended up. If they've won a trophy, I think if they haven't, it'll be a failure because they get into the top four now is a real big ass.
3: Oh. And with a volley into the net and that goal will seal Manchester City's place in the Carabao Cup final.
2: I'm pretty sure the players will be ready, like they have been. In this business that we have, the most honest
0: and then the best is the players
2: and they lift the league cup yet again three in a row for pep guardiola city it is the Carabao cup final and it's live on talk sport
3: The Carabao Cup final is on Sunday at 4.30. It's live on TalkSport. Manchester City need eight points from five matches to become the champions for the third time in four seasons, but their concentration is on different piece of silverware uh, this weekend. And uh, City and Phil Foden particularly, brilliant form, um, came back from a goal down against uh, Aston Villa. If he replicates that form on Sunday, Spurs are in trouble, aren't they, Darren? But bearing in mind he played last night, and the Champions League semi-final
1: is coming up. Will he even start the final? Oh, I'd be amazed if he didn't start the final. 14 goals in uh, this season. Seven of them, I think, in the Premier League. But it isn't just his composure in the box, his ability to find space. He starts moves, he finishes moves. He holds players off, holds the ball up well. He's just a wonderful player to watch. And Pep Guardiola is vindicated in his treatment of... Phil Foden because I remember lots of occasions I probably was among those people who were saying he needs to go and play regular first team football he needs to be a player like Dele Alli playing week in week out or Harry Kane who's built up a huge bank of playing time but the treatment's been fantastic by Pep Guardiola and now he's reaping the rewards. Um, Alex he does make wholesale
3: changes though doesn't he Pep Guardiola and he dismisses anyone for questioning that If you ask him, why would you do that? But the team against Aston Villa was the A-team. It was similar to the side that played in the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal. I mean, does that potential rotation give Spurs a chance?
4: Possibly. Um, and, And actually, if you look at Manchester City's recent performances, they have started to look a little bit more vulnerable defensively not just because of John Stones red car but of course they conceded in the first few seconds last night I mentioned uh, in the pod of the weekend that they they didn't cruise through the Dortmund game as much as you would have expected them to so I don't think we're we're finding Manchester City in red hot form so in that respect it could be a good time for Tottenham to play them and of course I've mentioned John Stones he will be missing from their lineup, having got himself sent off against Aston Villa. So that's one enforced change that that they're going to have to make. I think the form of Raheem Sterling remains a concern as well. It cost Trevor Sinclair a bottle of wine after he had a bet with Simon Jordan about the impact that Raheem Sterling would make in the FA Cup semi-final or lack of. Uh, Is this the occasion for for Sterling to rediscover some rhythm and and announce himself that he is still a star on the world stage? Because at this moment in time, if Gareth Southgate is picking an England 11 on form, I think you struggle to
3: make a case for him being in it. Well, at the moment, if you pick an England uh, 11 on form, the forward players are struggling as much as the back players at the moment. Um, and you mentioned John Stones. He had another night to forget against Aston Villa. A mistake for the goal after 20 seconds. Uh, and then a ridiculous challenge, which earned him a red card. I'm not quite sure what Pep Guardiola was complaining about. I mean, it, it, this is a guy who now needs to get his head back in the game, Darren, doesn't it? Because you know, the idea of this just being a blip has sort of been... Torpedoed out of the water, the Dortmund error we mentioned that he was responsible for the, the the first goal in the away leg, the England error against Poland, the sending off, and the concession of the goal here. You know, in the first twenty seconds, he loses concentration, dashes out. But that is some month.
1: Yeah, and it might well be that the enforced layoff helps him to get his head together as well. But I don't think, just think it's his uh, individual uh, fault if you look at manchester city as their club i was just looking at their stats while you were talking they've not kept a clean sheet in their last five matches against dortmund twice leeds chelsea and aston villa that's not the manchester city we've come to know and love now last week when you asked me if city are going to win the league i said yes i still do think they are going to win the league but the door could be open if teams decide, look, they're there for the taking. Let's have a go. They're wonderful going forward, but a little bit wobbly at the back. And then who knows?
3: But they may not end up losing the league because their advantage is so great, but they may end up not fulfilling the kind of dreams that they were hoping to to realise by winning the Carabao Cup. They've already out of the FA Cup and the Champions
1: League is not going to be an easy thing to negotiate if you can't defend against PSG. Just before you come in, Crook, I mean, to be fair, it was us, really, wasn't it? We were the ones that, you know, I'll admit, you know, I, I'm in an industry, newspaper industry, where I was building up the quadruple. The broadcast industry is building up the quadruple. To be fair to City, they never, ever talked about the possibility.
3: Zinchenko did and Gundogan did, but apart from that, they didn't I, really I, talk I, about it. I yeah. thought you were
4: going to say, to be fair to Crook, he always said they wouldn't win all four trophies, Darren.
3: <laughs> Hold on. Is there an I told you so button? We need to get an I told you so button.
1: Listen, I think as far... <laughs> That I told you so thing. You know, the crook. To be fair, you, you you have said a lot of things that have come true. Uh, I know Sam gives you a hard time, but this you, is the you, time for lovemaking. <laughs> <laughs> tell me that wasn't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> on.
4: on the su- on the subject of team selection, by the way, I know well, we're going to come on. On the
1: subject of lovemaking, that's going because <laughs> stop make it stop. Is the
4: time for lovemaking. <laughs> Just flicking it around to the Tottenham perspective, I've got some information this morning and I'm, I'm keen to see if, if, if Darren from his sources is hearing the same thing. But apparently, the last straw in the breakdown of the relationship between Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho was that Jose Mourinho planned to field a weakened Tottenham team against Southampton in the league in midweek to focus fully on the League Cup final. Daniel Levy barred him from doing so because he still felt... And obviously still feels after win against Southampton, there is a slim chance that Tottenham can gate crash the top four. Apparently there was a heated exchange in which Jose Mourinho is alleged to have told Daniel Levy, this is why Tottenham don't win trophies because you put your priorities in the wrong basket.
1: Darren, are you hearing similar stories? Well, not to that extent. I mean, I had heard a, a story about oh, the weakened side in the league because of the lack of consistency in the Tottenham team. Uh, but the detail that you've got there says a lot about the tensions that did exist between the two teams. And I can certainly tell you that when I was at the game, we were recording this on Thursday, I was at the game the night before against Southampton. And I must tell you, it really did catch my eye, the desire in the Tottenham team in the second half. They in really the second half. Know. Yeah, but but you, you say that, but, you know, they started the game with a lot... with the confidence appeared to be drained from the players. I was quite alarmed by how slovenly they were. And I looked at the yeah. stats at time And Southampton had had more attempts on goal, more shots on target. And Spurs just looked all over the place. Well, and, Tottenham hadn't had a shot on target. I
3: was at that game as well. well funnily enough, I didn't see you. You must have been busy again. <laughs> um,
1: no, I always <laughs> avoid you when you come to Premier League. Okay? Yes, yes you with do. your entourage. Um, but, <laughs> I, I, but at half time Bale talked at full-time, actually, about Ryan Mason's team talk. And he said that he really was inspirational. In the second half, there was a lot more desire. There was a lot, you know, Winks came on, exiled under Jose Mourinho. I've no doubt we'll see Delhi Ali in the side sooner rather than later. And it looks very much as though the players, however experienced Ryan Mason might be, they're trying to do their best for him because they see him as giving them all a chance.
3: Um, well, he's... In charge of Spurs this weekend, he didn't sound particularly confident when I spoke to him afterwards that his best mate Harry Kane was going to be fit for that game. Uh, They were very cagey about it, though, and I wonder whether or not he's going to try and force himself to play on Sunday. Spurs haven't won anything for 13 years. He is their leader. He will feel as if it is his duty to get out there and try and win that match for them because he's a massive threat. But if he does so, is he risking a place in the European Championship team.
4: Well, he's not just risking that. He's risking Tottenham's hopes of glory because we saw what a half-fit Harry Kane did to them in the Champions League final against Liverpool. He rushed himself back for that game and he was a passenger, though, basically playing with 10 men. So I think this might be one of those instances where Harry Kane actually has to put the team before himself because we saw him hobble off. We know he's had problems with the ankle before. There's no way that he can be fully fit in such a short period of time. No chance.
1: I I, add to that, you you talk about is he risking um, Tottenham's hopes of glory? He's risking his own health, his own well-being. Put England aside, put Tottenham aside. Harry Kane has to think about himself. But He's done this before, Darren. He has, but, you know, is that a good thing? You know, I read in Roy Keane's book where he talked about foreign players, Ruud Van Nistelrooy basically putting his health first. And Roy, Roy Keane saying, you know, now I look back, I kind of think I thought maybe at the time he was a little bit of a coward. I don't think he used that word, so forgive me, Roy, for listening. But uh, he said, "But now I look back and I see that was the right thing to do, to look after my long-term well-being." And I think Cain has to do that. He keeps rushing back, and we know all about his desire. He has nothing whatsoever to prove, and clearly he would want to come back for an opportunity to win silverware but he's got to put himself first so that we can enjoy him for a lot longer
4: yeah and and defense has been Tottenham's biggest issue isn't it Darren touched on it last week in the podcast and the the lack of investment in the back four Um, I I think frustrated Mourinho and I think has been their Achilles here and I think that's why it's difficult to make any watertight case for Tottenham pulling off an upset because Manchester City have got so many good forward players they've got so many good players all over the pitch Tottenham won't keep a clean sheet and I don't think Tottenham especially if Kane isn't fit will have the firepower to outscore them
1: No goal no clean sheet in their last seven games for Spurs they they just can't seem to go any given game without making a mistake Uh, and that presumably is the reason why Mourinho played what was it five at the back and two defensive midfielders against Everton because they just can't seem to get it right and if they get to the summer and they do something if somehow they get in the top four they've got to go out and invest in at least one commanding centre-half possibly two.
3: Look they can get into the top four they've got 53 points Uh, Leicester in third 56 They've played a game, two games less. Uh, Chelsea have played a game less, but 55 points. West Ham 55 points. Liverpool just below them, 53. Look, it's a, it's a right bun fight to the end of the season, and that would vindicate Daniel Levy and, and, and
1: Alex's story that he was
3: absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I don't think you can play a weakened team on uh, Wednesday night and then expect to go into a Carabao uh, Cup final after getting you know your bum slapped by Southampton. And let's be completely clear: in that first 45 minutes. If it had been a different day, they would have been three nil down. Hugo Lloris made two terrific saves in the first three minutes, and then had to make another one uh, from uh, salasu later on in the in in the half. I mean, they were they were fortunate to go in uh, at the break only uh, one nil down.
4: Saw a great stat on Twitter about Ugo Lloris basically saying that Ryan Mason obviously picking Ugo Lloris and the age difference between the two if Roy Hodgson was to do the same thing then he would be picking Dino's off in goal for Crystal Palace this weekend
3: It's a damaging result for West Ham. Whether West Ham finish in the top four is now open to question. Newcastle United 3, West Ham United 2.
2: If you give me any European football for West Ham, it would have to be seen as a, a massive step up from where we've been.
3: Lingard continues and that's a brilliant
2: goal from Jesse Lingard and West Ham double their lead.
3: Chelsea nil. Brighton nil a point for Chelsea that puts them back into the top 4. This club here is a
5: club who loves competition and it's a very competitive club. A delicate left-footed
2: curler from Kai Havertz and Chelsea have the lead. So
5: in all directions
3: everything is possible but it's in our hands now. What a game in prospect it is. The biggest concern I suppose for West Ham is the decimation of their spine. So far this season, they've been pretty steadfast and have risen to the challenge, forcing their way into the top four. But this weekend, Darren, Dawson is suspended. Cresswell is doubtful. Rice is out. Antonio is out. Um, there were some concerns over Jesse Lingard, but that apparently was just cramp. And they, West Ham uh, have just lost to Newcastle because of some terrible defending. What happens here? You've just got off the phone to Mark Noble, I know. What, what, what was he telling us?
1: What he's telling us, what he's telling me, certainly, is that I think there'll be no dip in spirit. Whoever's missing, whoever doesn't play, whoever um, is suspended, we know Dawson's suspended, that West Ham side will go out and compete. They've done that all season. It's an incredible season as far as they're concerned. You know what you get when West Ham play. Hard work, hard graft. And even if Chelsea have got too much class, they will have to Summon up all of it And I think You know When you look at Chelsea struggling To beat Brighton At home the other day You realise that It's not as straightforward As some people might think And this fixture Is not well placed For Chelsea Alex Just days before They play
3: Real Madrid In the semi-finals Of the Champions League
4: Yeah, and they were a bit flat against Brighton in midweek as well, weren't they? I do wonder if David Moyes might use this Super League story to create a bit of a siege mentality at West Ham. And his team talk could almost be, come on, lads, look, these were the measures that the big clubs were going going to go to to stop us qualifying for the Champions League. Don't let them take it out of your grasp.
1: Do you know i saw you, you come on west ham you talked about something you saw the other day i the best thing that was sent to me by a, a pal of mine was that the super league reminds you of all of us agreeing to go on a night out before our other halves tell us that we can't go <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely true it's like when
3: we try and decide oh do you know what we should do in the summer we should go on a golf trip yeah and then one by one we'll come back and say no I, i'm actually not allowed to do that <laughs> I, I never said i wasn't allowed I know you didn't which is why you are the Florentino Perez of this group and it's why why no one of the 24 is interested in you Um, (laughs) right (laughs) I expect Chelsea to control the ball and West Ham to try and spring on the counter attack Um, the fact that they haven't had a midweek game down might actually help and they love beating Chelsea don't they
1: yeah they've got a good record uh, they always seem to turn up historically don't they against the big sides whenever they've uh, I, they don't always obviously the the class of the bigger sides does more often than not tend to tell but west ham always give a good account of themselves and we've seen so many times this season when the expectations have been low west ham have pulled it out of the bag so I don't think at any level that you can say that this one's a foregone conclusion and I, Jesse Lingard he'll be available my understanding is and when he is up front and the way that we expect Chelsea to play as well it could well be that under the counter-attack when West Ham have been best this season they might get some joy. Yeah,
3: exactly what I think will happen in terms of that Chelsea will try to look to dominate the match and then try and ball their way through the game without conceding any chances. They'll make one mistake and then West Ham will have an opportunity. It's the, key, the key thing is West Ham taking those opportunities when they come about because they probably will be few and far between because Chelsea matches overall don't have many goals. They don't feature many goals for either side.
4: No, that's right. And obviously, West Ham's strongest part of their team at the moment is attack because they have started to concede goals. Is it 11 goals conceded in their last four matches? I'm sure David Moyes would have been working overtime on the training ground to try and eradicate that and try and make them more resolute. Fabianski decided
3: to catch this week. So I think he'll probably be a little bit better at keeping the ball out of the net. You're ageist. You're you're ageist. He's not getting any, any younger, Fabianski. Leave him alone. Oh, don't be rude. That's not fair. He's in the prime of his life for a goalkeeper. What are you talking about? I think he's 36 now, isn't he? Uh, He's not 36, is he? Is he really? He is. Hold on a second, caller. He can't be 36. I know he's old because I did him the other week. Isn't he younger than you? He's 36. Yeah, he is younger than me. He's seven years younger than me, but I'm not a goalkeeper. (laughs) I'm playing professional footballer. But listen. I think 36 is okay for a goalkeeper, especially nowadays, because they, they don't really do too much, do they? And they, uh, and their, their nutrition and exercise regime is superb. Are you Absolutely. suggesting that his hand-eye coordination is going because he's 36, Crook? No, I'm just pointing out that you're, you're, you're having a go at a pensioner, effectively. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that escalated quickly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, how? Actually, what is the age that you can take your football pension? I think it is 35, isn't
4: it? He, he will certainly, in, in Darren's match report, now be labelled veteran Fabianski now that Darren knows that he's 36
3: <laughs> uh, West Ham have scored at least two goals in 10 of their last 14 league matches how will they perform live on TalkSport when they take on Chelsea this Saturday you know, very evening.
1: quickly, very quickly very quickly very quickly
3: that is the, the biggest interruption I've ever had
1: <laughs> no I just I, I, an irony an irony for oh, you right, go on. I just need to squeeze in how much have Chelsea spent on their forward players since last summer? The ZH was about what?
3: 33, 60? rising to 40 million. 80 on uh, the boy Havertz. And I think Werner, Werner is about 40 as well. Been, uh, rising to 50, depending on his goal-scoring exploits. So 40. Right,
1: so that's what? 100 and... 150 million. West Ham have scored more goals than Chelsea in the Premier League this season. West inter- Ham was interrupting us for that wasn't it because you, you stumbled over it three times
4: it's like in a wedding isn't it when, when the, yeah. uh, the, the vicar says uh, if anyone knows of any lawful reason why this couple should not be married please speak now Darren Lewis burst in reason, oh, no uh, will
3: not beat West I Ham think, please raise it now
1: I, I think that's a remarkable stat it is when it you is. consider that West Ham have got no it orthodox is. striker this season it is you've just got to wait
3: until I finish my sentence
1: Sorry. <laughs> I'm, only jo- I'm
3: only joking. It's the end of the season. We're obviously deemed Mob happy. Uh, right, let's get to Arsenal Everton and Liverpool Newcastle.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify.
1: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18, be T's and C's apply.
3: Arsenal against Everton, Friday night, 8 o'clock, after restoring a 1-1 draw against Fulham on Sunday. How much will Arsenal be concentrating on this? Bearing in mind, Crook, that they've got a European semi-final on the agenda.
4: And a fair amount of noise (laughs) around the stadium as well in their fan base. Um, Their preparation has been far from ideal. Uh, Clearly the Europa League is their priority but I think he'll still name a strong side uh, Mikel Arteta. He won't want the embarrassment of Arsenal finishing in the bottom half of the table. That point that Leeds picked up against Liverpool has increased the chances of that happening. Um, I've given up trying to predict Everton. I haven't been very impressed with them of late but they do have some match winners I could see a score draw, I think, in this game. I, I, I can see goals.
3: The one thing is that Everton are very good away from home, haven't they? They've been better on the road than they have been at Goodison Park this season. They were better, actually, against Tottenham last Friday night. Hammers in a slightly different uh, position. Nine of their 15 away league games this season have resulted in victory. And Arsenal, Darren, have got no Alba, no Louise, no Tierney, no Erdegaard, no Lacazette. I think all those things will count against
1: them. Yeah, but they do have the young players whose desire has been far more than the senior players so far this season. Would you risk are, them? Yeah, I would. Because big clubs play good players in you know, whatever match. We yeah, just what about Arsenal? About, yeah, but <laughs> they are all naughty. <laughs> Listen, I, I think you've got to play. If you're in the first team squad, you have to be prepared to play in any game. And I don't think Arsenal are good enough to be... Uh, expecting to compete for the top four but resting players for the uh, Europa League matches they've got to play and the only thing is I don't think Everton have got a great chance no win in their last five Premier League games for Everton they're neither good at home or away they just can't defend I've said before in the pod that Ancelotti needs to go out and get competition for the keeper serious competition Uh, I don't think Olsen's the guy I think he needs another at least one more centre-half maybe two um, and he needs more goals up front. He's got to do some serious shopping in the in the summer. But Arsenal, listen, I think this will be a score draw because I don't think either side is good enough and I don't think Arsenal win the Europa League.
4: Just on Everton's away form, you said nine wins from 15. I think if they do make it 10 this weekend, that will be the first time uh, since the Premier League came into being in 1992. So a chance for Carlo Ancelotti
3: to set a little piece of history. I'd like to apologise because I do sound a little bit anti-Big Six this week. In fact, I don't want to apologise. That's how I feel. I feel. I feel a little bit anti-Big Six this week. And if they all lose, I won't be too upset about it.
4: I don't think we should call them the Big Six anymore. No, oh, the Six. There you are.
3: The um, Scum Six. Oh, no, I think that's a little bit harsh. <laughs> I, I noticed that you did try to coin that earlier in the week and it very quickly disappeared. Um, <laughs> that, might, that might be a stretch. At Alex underscore Crook on Twitter. <laughs>
4: with an outstanding header for Liverpool.
3: Yes, we are under pressure like everybody can imagine in a sense of we want to finish in the top four.
2: The point will leave Liverpool in six. It
3: ends at Elland Road, Leeds one, Liverpool one.
0: We go into every game looking to win. We need to play our own game.
3: Joe Willock stepping off the bench, scoring another crucial goal for Newcastle.
2: All of a sudden, we've lost one of our last seven games, so just at the right time, we've showed a bit of consistency, which is important.
3: Three big points for Newcastle in their quest to
2: stay in the Premier League. You know, there's lots of things being levelled at us all this year, but they've got a good spirit that's a
3: vital part of it to go and get the results that we need. Um, Liverpool against uh, Newcastle is Saturday, 12.30. That's live on TalkSport. Newcastle should be safe. Um, Will they down tools now that they think that they've probably got the job done or will they play with a freedom at a place where they haven't won any of their last 24 visits in the Premier League? Callum Wilson is fit. Yeah, that's a bonus. I I don't think we really associate this Newcastle team
4: under Steve Bruce with playing with freedom. And and this fixture, I'm I'm sure it will get a a big mention on game day, Oak's memories, those back-to-back seasons when it finished 4-3 at Anfield and Kevin Keegan slumped in his seat. But we're in different times now. I think you're right, mathematically... Newcastle may still need some more points on the board, but it's very hard to make a case for Fulham or West Bromwich Albion catching up with them. So this is a must-win for Liverpool. They dropped two more points against Leeds on Monday night. At that stage, we weren't sure if they were bothered about qualifying for the Champions League or not, but I think you can tell by Jurgen Klopp's spiky post-match reaction that he was hurt by those two drop points. I would expect them to get back to winning ways this weekend
3: top four is still Liverpool's target, Darren. It's all they have to play for now. They were rattled by Leeds on Monday at a time where the ESL protests were at their height. So I think that had an impact as well. Um, But, um, you know, if you want to finish in the top four, you've got to be beating teams like Leeds United. Well, hold on a second. Chelsea didn't do that, nor did Manchester City, so maybe not.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think nobody really has any uh, consistent winning form in that race for the top four at the moment, which is what makes this league so wonderful. And ironically, you know, the fact that it is so unpredictable is the beauty and the reason why so many people want to continue with the the existing structure as it is. Uh, I think that Super League controversy will be an important factor really going forward now in the climax of this season because fans protesting outside stadiums players preoccupied with the uncertainty around it everyone's getting a bit rattled and and everybody I,
3: feels a bit flat i think it yeah. changes
1: your outlook i mean
3: i went to a pub on tuesday night to watch my team play a game i didn't watch that game i no. wasn't interested in that game no. i was following the other developments that were going on elsewhere um and i didn't care about the result now that should not be the case at any juncture. That's never really the case
1: at any time. But that's how it felt. And I'm not going to lie about that. I didn't care. Well, I, I was at the game and my top line was that the match was an irrelevance because it really was. Nobody cared about the result. I, clearly, the result does matter. But, on that night, nobody cared. People care about the bigger picture. And this is my point. A lot of emotional energy has been expended this week by people angry at what they've seen, angry at what's been going on behind the scenes, angry at what could yet happen. Because when These guys, now that these guys have established they want to make money, they're not going to just stop wanting to make money. They'll come up with something else in a different way. There's a lot of anger directed at these guys as well in relation to the the, the apologies. I mean, look, I work in the newspaper industry. So I remarked on John W. Henry's, the length of the apology, the way that he put it across. It was very different to the club statements that come out. Uh, that have been put out by the other clubs. Oh, so, what
3: what club does he what, does he does he work for? Does he work for Liverpool? or LFC? I couldn't, I couldn't remember really work out which one it was. The you know, that that, we, that term that we all use when we're talking about that oh, team that play at Anfield.
1: Course. And and as I say, you know, PR spin means that the people who write the PR don't always understand the way that they should be putting it across they just put words together uh, and it is PR spin as far as they're concerned an attempt to get fans back on side but fans are not having it and rightly so and they're you know, not stupid St- supporters aren't stupid they can no. see through the nonsense I'm- and and all of those apologies were hollow oh, goodness me, they were apologising because they got caught, not because uh, uh, they, they genuinely meant what they were saying. And I think my point is we're analysing the action on the pitch, but I think what is going to happen is that the events off the pitch yeah. are going to be a factor in the performances of the players going I forward. agree. Yeah. And- Everything is
4: going to be straightforward. And I think that'll be both in terms of the the, the, the clubs who play for the, the former Big Six, how they will react to what's happening outside the stadium and the fact that they were kept in the dark by their employers. That hasn't gone down well amongst the, the various squads. But also the, 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 the opponents they come up against, I think, are going to want to raise their game. I think it will be even more so if there were spectators inside stadiums. You can imagine the atmosphere that would greet these teams as they come out onto the pitch.
3: And this is against everything that I would have, Relieved in a week ago, but I cannot tell you how much I would love this season to end with Leicester and West Ham United in the Champions League.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be a wonderful statement for football if that were to happen.
3: Yep. Sorry, but that's what I believe. Right, let's go to Stats Entertainment.
4: We should get the stats, stats,
3: entertainment
1: For we, And we, you should we've sing. We've done it.
3: it. You've done it. That's it. That is the new jingle. That that little bit from Crook. That's it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Lucy, yeah, yeah. how are you? I'm good, Talia. Oh, nice to see you. It's great to have you back. I mean, you, uh, we had Scott here last week, um, and he was very good. He was very good. But uh, um, it was he like was like a He
4: was like a headmaster trying to keep control of an unruly class.
5: What does that make me?
3: Well, you walked into that one, didn't you? <laughs> uh, right, Luce, what you got for us?
5: Okay, so it's now time for a quick look at one of our weekend fixtures through the medium of SAT. So you will need to give me your best stat from the game between Leeds v Man United. Then I will judge who has the best. Now, just a quick recap on how the leaderboard currently stands, okay? So, Darren, you're first place with five points. Ooh. Sam, you're second with four. And Crook, you are last with three. Harsh. Right, go on, crook. Take it away.
4: Well, Manchester United have a new super sub in the form of Edinson Cavani. Only Javier Hernandez and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer himself have scored more Premier League goals off the bench in a single season for Manchester United than Cavani has done this campaign. There wasn't much wit there, wasn't there? Mm. You gave me half an hour's notice after I've pretty much worked solidly for 48 hours to come up with a stat.
3: Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is there, it, it, let's let's feel sorry for Alex Crook because he's got a job. Where were you last night? I, I was working. I was in, in, where uh, were you last night? in and around London Bridge. You were in and around London Bridge, but I don't think you were working because you were texting me at 5.30 from Vinegar Yard, just down from uh, London Bridge, and you were still there until midnight. So you had seven hours drinking, I think, with a whole group from TalkSport. I don't think that constitutes working. It might work with Mrs Crook, but it doesn't work with us. Right, let's move on.
5: (laughs) Right, Sam, go.
3: Um, Right, Manchester United, they are the team you'd buy a a half-season ticket for, aren't they? Um, It would be the second half, but it would still be a half-season ticket because in the first half of football matches in the Premier League, they are dreadful. Uh, They sit 12th in the first half table over the course of the season. The fact that they are second in the table itself overall shows how good they are in the second period of football matches as displayed in their Sunday game against Burnley. In fact, did you know that Manchester United have not led at the interval in 25 minutes? They're 32 matches. So if you do get back into a Manchester United game next season, why don't you spend the first half of it in the pub with Crook and then you can come and join at half-time and still have a great experience.
1: Can I just give up now? Because I think that was a lot better than (laughs) I'm going to give you. And it made me laugh. You sounded very much like a teacher shooting to pieces a child's <laughs> excuse for not bringing his homework in. <laughs> well, does it mean I'm going to go top of the table no matter what you do? I think it might well do but I, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I'll clear up the colours anyway.
5: Go on, Darren. Give it a go.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having such a sympathetic tone as you're introducing <laughs> this girl, <I> <laughs> you. Nurse
3: Lucy. <laughs>
1: um, I don't rate Liverpool's chances for this game. Um, they've got fewer chances of... Uh, beaten i don 't know actually, I think defensively they 're poor, but Leeds, having said that, have only won one of their last twelve home games against mm-hmm. Liverpool in all competitions. And there's a neat symmetry about Leeds' form going into this game because they've both scored and conceded 50 goals in the Premier League this season in their 32 games so far. Only Tottenham in the 2008 seven, eight season um, had done so in fewer matches in the campaign. They've done it in 30 matches. But as far as Leeds are concerned, they've, it's going to be a thriller-minute contest because they've got as much chance of scoring goals as they do of conceding goals there you go that's the colours cleared up well done you You took all the wind out of my sails Samuel with your evisceration of Alex Alexander and and look he's sitting (laughs) there all contrite yeah he hasn't spoken since I was talking to Jim White actually oh yeah oh Jim
3: Simon can I come on again please I haven't been on for 10 minutes (laughs) I've got some more breaking news that I've seen on Twitter
0: (laughs) (laughs)
5: right let's score you up so crook i'm not happy with the excuses you're given and i think next week less time in the pub more time researching one point
4: you sound exactly like my school teacher
5: (laughs) darren it was a strong effort but i think you've just been pips the post day so darren you have two and sam you have three
3: get in it's my first win of the campaign what's the leaderboard looking like then
5: so that means that uh, Sam and Darren, you are tied at the top.
1: Ooh. I'll take
3: that. I'll top take of that. the top, and Crook stranded last. That like we were saying. Yeah. Aston Villa against West Bromwich Albion is Sunday at seven o'clock. Is the great escape still on for West Brom? They have one or two games in hand. They've got a local derby to play this weekend. Then another local derby against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Imagine if they won both those games. Because then after that, uh, Alex and and Darren, they've got a free hit. They play Arsenal. Uh, Then two home games with Liverpool and West Ham before they finish at Leeds. It would be the greatest of great escapes. But is it possible? I think they've given
4: themselves too much to do but it's a nice couple of fixtures you've mentioned there if, if you were to hand pick two teams to play right now probably apart from Southampton who will come on to I'm sure Aston Villa and Wolves will be right up there wouldn't they Aston Villa's form has completely nosedived in the absence of Jack Grealish they played okay against Manchester City but lost again and, and their season really is is petering out which is a shame given how well they started and Wolves as well question marks in the papers this morning about Nuno Espirito Santo and his future Wolves maybe planning a successor um, should he be tempted by Daniel Levy to go and replace Jose Mourinho at Tottenham, he's very high in the betting for that job. So yeah, I, I think West Bromwich Albion can get points from these next two games. I think it will still be too a little, too late.
3: Uh, West Brom have lost two of their last seven against uh, Aston Villa. Um, you mentioned Southampton; they haven't got a fixture this weekend because their game against Tottenham obviously had to be moved to midweek because of the Carabao Cup final uh, but um, they were very good in the first 45 minutes absolutely um, the, the, the kind of performance that they should have put in on Sunday against Leicester and didn't and ended up still losing this game anyway and I spoke to Ralph Harsenhutl afterwards and I said you've lost more points from winning positions than any other manager since you took charge of Southampton 55 points from winning positions I said does it keep you up at night have you, have you got a reason? He said, if I had a reason to, for for, the, for that happening, I would have solved it by now. But it is, it is a real worry and we've got to stop doing it because they, they've got 36 points from 32 games, but their fixtures are horrible. They are horrible.
4: And they're bottom of the form table for the calendar year. No team in the Premier League now has taken fewer points. So, yeah, it's a concern and um, it can't be a coincidence if you keep getting yourself into winning positions and, and keep throwing away points and I think certainly last night a lot of Southampton fans on social media in the aftermath of the game questioning Ralph harzman in-game decision making his in-game management because he broke up that midfield axis of, of ward Prowse and Armstrong to bring on Diallo and that seemed to be where they lost control a of the game change,
3: though. That was a force change because Ings was injured wasn't it? So he needed to bring somebody on but instead of replacing Ings with somebody else or bringing on a winger to him pushing Walcott further up he decided what he'd do was is he'd take someone into midfield and, and, and change the configuration of the team. Yeah. And 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 it it's a concern and it...
4: Obviously, I've been Ralph's biggest supporter and he has had the faith of the Southampton fans up to this point, but there is a groundswell now that are just beginning to ask questions because they're they're limping towards safety and that didn't look the case when they beat Liverpool on January the 4th.
3: I made the point on Drive yesterday, Adrian Durham and I were talking about it and I said, I don't think the squad's good enough. Um, He said, actually, he thought that there were good enough players there and that Ralph should be getting a better tune out of them. What do you think, Darren?
1: I don't think the squad's good enough. I think there are lots of players who are average in that team. I think that The focus has gone defensively. They're poor. They've lost their last three games. It's interesting you talk about Ralph's reaction to your question because I was in the post match press conference last night. This is recorded Thursday. The game was on Wednesday night. And he looked at a loss. He looked really nonplussed when the question was put to him and he said to the person who asked him, what do you want me to say? Tactics? I, what do you want? You know, there were lots of things he just threw into the answer. He even blamed the substitutes because we know Ginepro gave away that penalty in the final few minutes of the game against Spurs. Ludicrous challenge. But he just seemed at a loss. And that rang alarm bells to me because uh, this losing run is going to continue. I think morale is low, confidence is lower. And I think that they are in a position at the moment where...
3: They collapse quicker than the Super League, this lot. I mean, as soon as you score against them, that's it.
1: It's all over. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the, the fascinating thing about it is, as I said earlier in the pod, they were really good in the first half yeah and yet, uh, it's, uh, the, what was put to them was that maybe they're inspired by Ings and once Ings is not playing they can't find their way again because I don't think they'd have been this bad had Ings stayed on the pitch but without him they're nothing well without them, they not a threat a which is a problem yeah. I don't mean yeah. that in a disrespectful way but you know they are very very poor without him
3: they don't score enough goals do they I mean over the course of the season if you look at the number of goals they've scored away from home what is it I don't know, something like 19 or something like that. I mean, and
1: it's, Sam, it's, that's probably why games is heart. not signing a new deal. He's probably thinking, I can't keep bailing the team out. I've got to be playing in a team where my goals mean something rather think, than me having to bail the team out all the time. I, I do think that there is context here. You know, Ralph Arsenal is clearly
3: not an untalented man and he's not an unintelligent man. He knows what he's doing. There has there, been a very small amount of investment in in Southampton but he he also has made some odd decisions and I don't think his demeanour helps because every time they have a collapse he looks like a beaten man is he a little bit too emotional I'm not being disrespectful I know people think that he's out of order if you criticise the fact that he cried when they beat Liverpool but is he a little bit too emotional and does that have an effect on the players
4: Maybe, but I think all managers take defeat personally and and, you know, look at Scott Parker and some of his reaction. I think it's impossible not to be emotional. Maybe particularly at the moment when you haven't got fans inside the stadium. So you're almost having to generate your own atmosphere, if you like, from the touchline.
3: Right, Wolves against Burnley Sunday live on TalkSport 2. Burnley, they're certainly not safe, are they? 33 points from 32 games and spiralling because they've lost the plot uh, in the last few weeks. They've lost to Newcastle. And Southampton, crikey, they are in trouble. Uh, They take on Wolverhampton Wanderers and they Mm. won just one of their last six trips to Molyneux. Uh, Could they get uh, relegated? Is there any hope for for West Brom and Fulham here, Darren?
1: No, I think... Listen, I think the bottom three will now go down. Fulham have had a lot of opportunities. I did believe for a long time that they could reel in uh, one of the teams above them, but they've not taken their chances and you can't hope to stay up if you can't take your chances. I think the bottom three will go down. That said, Burnley, I think going forward, got some questions to answer because they can't hope to keep hold of Sean Dyche if they don't invest in the squad. He's done what he can to keep them in a position where they can remain competitive, but they've lost their last three. No winning well, one win in their last nine matches and they can't keep circling the drain. You know what I say about that, so I won't do that one again.
3: Crook, during the whole of that uh, answer from you, Darren, was uh, cupping his ear, going right up to the camera. If we were all in the same studio, he would have been in your face there, asking you, what? what was that? What was that? Uh, because uh, you've, you've trotted out a line that he has been uh, peddling for the last six months. Yeah. Darren
1: <laughs> you're so ruthless Alexander he is, he is. you are he is. so ruthless I enjoy the romance of football Me and too. I would have loved to see Scott Parker it's
3: not over yet it's not over yet
1: well it's not over yet and, and maybe he's probably got seven well games left Absolutely, it could well be me cupping my ear to you, Alex. By the end, it
3: won't of just the- be you, mate. It won't just be you. We'll, we will be in his face. We'll be right there, getting our big ears like this in his face. If anything changes, I'll be delighted just to wind him up. I don't care who goes down, as long as it's not one of the bottom uh, three currently, uh, of which Sheffield United are already down. Uh, they are relegated. They take on Brighton live on Talk Sport. Uh, Brighton again, another team that aren't entirely safe because they've only got thirty-four. Uh, Points, although they're a very, very good team. It actually is amazing that they've only got 34 points and it is something that they're going to have to address in the summer that they get some sort of striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, The life has been sucked out of the blades. This would be a great opportunity, I think, Alex, for Brighton to show how good they are. Do you want a bold prediction? Well, you're so reticent to do this normally. We, we probably should ask you to do it, yeah.
4: I was having a conversation uh, with Adrian Durham and a couple of the other Talk Sports staff members during my trip to London in the week. And I. I made the, the I, made the, the pub. The I pub. made the bold shout that if. And you
3: were working.
4: If Brighton signed Tammy Abraham, and he is on their list, I think West Ham is probably his more likely destination. If Brighton did manage to sign Tammy Abraham. They can finish in the top six next season because oh. they are not far away from that.
1: You're still hungover, aren't you?
4: The, the rest of the team is in place. If they Nobody's had someone. Still drinking. If they had someone who could convert the, the, the numerous chances they create, they would be a really good team. In fact, I, I also said. If they uh, sign Haaland, they'll win the league. No, I also said oh. to, to an Arsenal um, fan pr- producer. Are they competing for Harry Kane? That I think a lot of that Brighton team would get in the Arsenal team and they would improve it. There you go. for the centre-halves for a start and Eve Basuma.
1: This is the time for lovemaking.
3: Uh, right, okay. That's it from us. Uh, we're back on Sunday after the Carabao Cup final when we look back on Ryan Mason's greatest achievement just two games in or City's march to a treble of sorts Um, Alex Crick will be with me on Sunday night plus uh, you can rate and review our podcast and tell your friends about it and subscribe to the game day podcast uh, from TalkSport we're all off to do some work down Vinegar Yard